Hello and welcome to the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. I'm Harry Bliss, CEO and co-founder of Champion Health, and today we're joined by Simon Collier, the Head of Learning and Culture at Diabetes UK. Today we're going to talk about all things learning and development with how we can take our teams to the next level on a journey with us, as well as staff engagement and how to build a proactive culture that really supports the team to do the best possible job that they can do in their roles. Welcome to the podcast, Simon. Hi, Simon. How are you? I'm very well, thank you, Harry. How's everything going at the moment with Diabetes UK? It must have been a challenging couple of years. I'd love to unpick um, the, the what's going on in terms of the learning and development process and also culture um, within the organisation. I mean, you're right, Harry. It's been a, an experience that none of us have had before and hopefully won't won't have again. Um, but I suppose one of the, the really interesting things has been, and, and yesterday's announcement um, from the Prime Minister about moving to Plan B reminds me of this cycle that we seem to be in of, um, um, think back into 2020 in March, so emergency, you had to suddenly do something very quickly. The novelty feeling of, oh, it's new and this could be a bit exciting. The It will be over in three months. Oh, no, it's not over in three months. Oh, it's getting a bit better. I can start planning again. Oh no, I can't plan again. Um, and so I think that that in personal lives has also been felt in in work life as well. Uh, so trying to keep the ship going and probably bringing leadership and management into focus in a way that it never has before. This was truly the VUCA world, wasn't it? The the uncertain, the unexpected, the ambiguous world that we're all leading in. Um, and so, like any other organisation, we've been experiencing literally the highs and lows uh, of, of that cycle. And in terms of the culture, you mentioned highs and lows, you mentioned getting senior leaders' um, voices heard a little bit more. Could you just share a little bit more about that with our with our listeners today? Yeah, that's been really interesting. One of the uh, It's interesting because it, when you see leadership models suddenly become leadership reality. So one of the things that we were conscious of at Diabetes UK was when do staff need to have very clear um, instructions, direction from, from leaders in a way that perhaps they're not used to? And when do we need to take the foot off the pedal and be more consultative and more involving? And certainly what's been interesting has been to see how our, our leaders, um, particularly in the early stages of the pandemic, were in a much more telling, instructing mode, which made people actually feel safe, cared for, people knew what was going on, people understood what the decisions. The real tricky bit was understanding at what point do you actually move away from that? Um, and so people then start to get into a more consultative and involving mode again and that's been something we've had to watch throughout the throughout the year one thing i will mention was that we had noticeably more face time with senior leaders in our early stages i mean literally videos or live events people wanted to see their leaders wanted to feel reassured um, by that and that's what had been a theme of the whole pandemic really this idea of um, communicate 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 um, but communicate meaning uh, speaking and listening um, and that's been a, a real key part yeah. uh, for everybody um, as, as time's gone on. And is that something you think that's sometimes forgotten that people see communication as something that's verbal, um, but actually some of the most important communication is listening and acting upon that feedback that teams are, are saying to you? Yeah, I think one of the things, Harry, that I've noticed from a learning and culture and well-being point of view is the reduction in social connection over the last couple of years. Um, it's also yeah. meant the reduction of social learning. And what do I mean by that? I mean the learning we picked up without even realising it, the turning to somebody and saying, oh, what do you think about this, um, without having to book a Teams call or, or something else. The learning that came from just listening, um, overhearing things, sitting in the communal areas, so all those elements have been going. And I suppose the listening that we do 
um, through our eyes rather than our ears. So you might be saying to me that you're fine today, Harry, and yet everything about you perhaps is telling screaming from your face and your and uh, and your expression and your body language. So that's not the case. So I think hearing through um, our eyes has been uh, as important as through our ears over the last um, year. And that, that's a challenge with working from home um, and building that psychological safety. And I know that's a, a really big focus for Diabetes UK um, as you look to, to continue and develop your people and culture strategy. And just back onto the, the learning and development angle, you mentioned social learning, which I love that concept. I've not really heard it phrased in that specific way. What other challenges have there been in your role um, over, over the last couple of years and maybe even before that as well? I suppose one of the um, the key changes that many listeners would have would have experienced was we had a, an L&D program that had some E and virtual elements to it, but was strongly face to face. And that was the tradition we had. And that's what people liked. And that's where our skill set was. And literally overnight, that had to change. Um, and it was interesting, isn't it, that, that sometimes you things you think you can't do when you've got no choice, you have to do. And maybe you don't do them as expertly to begin with, but fairly quickly you do. And so becoming uh, experts in Teams and, and Zoom. But what that um, led to was being really conscious about the safety of learning. And, and by that, I mean, for example, some of our programs involve coaching, so one-to-one coaching. Now, I can do one-to-one coaching in a, in a room where I know it's a safe space, it's just the two of us, nobody's overlooking, nobody's listening in. I suddenly realised part of the way through the early days that coaching someone um, on the screen, whilst it was possible, I had no idea of the environment they were in. I had no idea whether some of the things they wanted to talk about were uh, influenced or affected by the people that were perhaps making a cup of tea in the background. I had no idea that Fred was going to come in halfway yeah. through um, and put on the television. And so this sense of, of, of expecting people to learn and learning does need safety. Learning needs me to be able to take risks. It needs me to be honest. It needs me to explore. That, that was something that we, that we hadn't. We had less control over the learning environment. So that's been definitely something there. Um, breakout rooms in Zooms and Teams, very exciting but then you get cut off halfway yeah. through and get flung back into the room and you're in the middle of saying something um, so that's so that's that's been interesting and just how tiring online learning is um, uh, because you are concentrating and looking at a screen for so long I think the one thing we learned quite quickly was the need for, for breaks and to just understand why people needed that that amount of time so a number of challenges really Harry Thank you for sharing all of that. And that, that's fascinating from my angle as we look to build out our learning and development program at Champion um, internally as, as well as externally. Um, now, in the third sector, there have been various challenges um, with raising funds um, all the way through to adapting to, to new ways of working. What challenges have you faced in your role um, working in the third sector over the, over the last couple of years? And, and what have you done to, to try and overcome that? I think it's really hard when we talk about the third sector because it suggests the third sector is all very similar. And yet it's a huge it's a huge sector with much more yeah. diversity. And some of the roles that I've done in the past were much more service delivery roles where you were going out and meeting the service users and delivering services. So I'd imagine if that's the sort of charity you work for, you'd have had very different um, challenges to perhaps that I've had where yeah. our organisation does some service delivery. We have a helpline which is very popular and very useful to, to many, many people. But also a part of our role is around influencing and looking for system change. So one of the challenges we have had, of course, is the people that we're trying to influence um, in the system, whether that's the health system or the political system, have had other things on their mind. So that's been quite an interesting thing about how do you maintain relationships? How do you still progress your influencing, influencing work? 
we've also had to understand well what is the reality of what we're trying to influence because that's changed as well and so being um, evidence-based and fact-based and knowing what you're talking about has been yeah. has been really important uh, funding as you say it's always a challenge in in our sector um, and we always have to be mindful of uh, we are funded by people who have done fantastic things run marathons um, done loads of different events so every penny that we spend we need to account for we need to be able to say to that person well you did this fantastic thing and we didn't just throw the money away so there's yeah. always that pressure um, on us to to, to to be looking to be looking at that um, and, and, and I guess that um, we've got many and varied roles within our organization so you know what fundraisers are doing is perhaps different to what policy influencers are doing which is perhaps different to what helpline advisors are doing so that diversity of experience as well has been something that we very much need to look yeah. at and I think because we attract in our sector people that are very strongly committed to the causes that they're working for, there is an increased danger of, of overwork and burnout. And during the pandemic, when you could keep working for as long as you liked, really, because it was less regulated, despite advice and guidance and encouragement from the employer, we've had to look very carefully that people haven't been, you know, that commitment actually going, going too far. And we've had exactly the same at Champion, that we are extremely mission driven for anyone that knows us or anyone that works with us um, in, internally, that I've always been very clear on this mission and we need to go above and beyond. And actually that rhetoric has started to um, be potentially dangerous to the team in terms of overworking and arguably caring too much that they can't switch off from their work. And that's been a learning for me. Um, and it's fascinating that, that you've shared that as well. And you mentioned diversity of experience in terms of the team, and I, I find that topic fascinating. How do you go about firstly reaching those different groups? Um, some of them will be on hot, hotlines and helplines, as you mentioned. Some of them will be admin members of staff. Some of them might be around accounting, for, for example. How do you look to really tailor um, the approach and the well-being strategy to those different populations? I mean, a lot of what we do is we, do, we would go through line managers who are closest to the individual's concerns. So we, we don't think that it's something centrally we can yeah. achieve. We have to use our network of managers to do that. Um, having said that, some of the things that we've done, which has been trying to reach out, we've had many more informal get together moments, which are uh, unashamedly moments to come together to talk about how life is. And, um, and make that a safe space to do that. We've increased the number of what we call well-being weeks that we have. So those are periods where we put on a number of talks uh, about different topics to uh, help people to engage with their well-being. And we have a model which uh, is that we look at well-being in terms of financial well-being, physical well-being, emotional and mental well-being, social well-being, and also the well-being that arises from creativity and hobbies. And so we've tried to use that as our framework to therefore capture to capture every everybody. Uh, but nothing replaces one to ones and team meetings and those those very focused um, conversations. We also in our training program offer programs around um, resilience and dealing with challenging times which people can opt onto. So I think it's as many entry points as possible that we can allow for people to access the support that's there. And it's giving them the environment to be able to then access this information to then thrive going forward. And it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job in, in doing that and covering all of the areas that really mean a lot to, to your team. Now, we're, we're nearing the end of this session today, Simon. I've really enjoyed speaking to you. What I would love to do, and we spoke about this earlier, that it's almost impossible to give one tip um, when it comes to workplace health because it's, it's multifaceted. There are so many challenges that are unique to everyone. But what's the one thing that you're looking to do going forward into 2022 for your wellbeing programme um, at Diabetes UK? 
I, I think the, the one thing that we're looking to do is to continue three things, which is listen, listening, noticing and asking. And that's, that's what I'd suggest we need to be continually doing and doing ever more expertly. Fantastic. Thank you, Simon, for joining us on the, the 12 Minutes of Workplace Health podcast. Thanks very much, Harry. It's been a pleasure. For more exclusive insights and content around workplace wellbeing, please subscribe to this podcast and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode.